Not long ago, there were only three television channels, and the cheaply made family man comedy was king. Turning the dial would only give you another glimpse into a suburban nuclear family with a breadwinner husband, a stay-at-home wife, and the occasional talking horse. That is, until 1964, when one show dared to take a glimpse into the lives of terrible monsters that lived next door. The Monsters premiered that September, and, well, America has yet to recover. The Monster Hunter shuns the millions of hours of original shows that are available at the press of a button to take a look back at a 60-year-old comedy about a Frankenstein monster and his grotesque family. He, he reaches down, he just grabs her by the butt and lifts her up. Yep. Yeah. Instead of opening the window... He punches through the window, which, I mean, this is your damn window, man. By the way, he's trying to catch uh, the raven out of the the clock. Oh, is that yeah. what he's doing to feed the cat? Yeah. yeah. I was very disinterested, to be honest. <laughs> the Monster Hunters, available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the picture show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am Phil Rude. I'm the dad. And I'm Austin Rude, and I'm the son. Every week we watch a movie, and then we get on mic, and we talk about it. Yes, we do. I say every week, but... Uh, we have been absent. Yes. Um, it has not been every week. Uh, quick update. Uh, Hurricane Ian kicked us square in the ass. We Who saw that coming? Uh, uh, the Weather Channel, uh, most of the major news outlets, and, um... Uh, fake news, Dad. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, uh, uh, we did get hit by a very major hurricane. Um, you and I and our family were all lucky. We were unscathed. Our house is mostly intact, and, uh, and, and we did okay, but we were without power, uh, for a few days, and uh, our internet and cell coverage is getting better. It's still not great. Still uh, not uh, 100% stable, but um, it has caused us to uh, have a, a slight miss in our mm-hmm. um schedule so all said minor inconveniences uh, uh, yes uh apologies for missing it but this was kind of beyond our control right um our bosses down at headquarters are really pissed at us they, guys. they really Please. are it's uh it's been a, a lot of workplace drama but um other than that but we're here to get this episode we out are here week. uh we watch this the night before the hurricane hit. <laughs> During the spooky times. Uh, yes. Uh, the scariest time was yet to come. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we're finally getting around to talking about it. Uh, and that is one of the original uh, Universal Monsters. The original canon of shared universes and, right. and horror movies. The original MCU. <clears throat> Kind of. The Monster Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we watched 1931's Frankenstein. And this movie tells the story of Dr. Henry Frankenstein, who attempts to create life from dead tissue by experimenting with a creature pieced together from corpses. This movie stars Colin Clive as Dr. Frankenstein, May Clark as Elizabeth, Boris Karloff as the monster, and Dwight Fry as Fritz. The movie was directed by James Whale and written by John L. Balderston, which was, this movie was adapted from the Frankenstein play uh, by Peggy Webling, which was adapted from the Frankenstein novel by, well... She's known as Mary Shelley, but this movie credits her in an interesting way as Mrs. Percy B. Shelley. Yes. Uh, her husband's name. I thought that was so, so strange. Oh, well, that's how the book was published. Was it really? Uh, I believe originally, yes. I had um, no idea of that because I've only ever seen it credited uh, to Mary Shelley. 
It's funny because nowadays um, Mary Shelley is the famous name, but uh, in that time period, her husband was extraordinarily famous. Well, he, he was, was this massive like poet. Uh, they were in this circle of like rich. They were the the aristocrats, writers. right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, much but like is... much like today, the the wealthy also had the upper hand in entertainment back then this um, is true yeah you know, they had the leisure time to create things but that's i didn't even catch that they credited her as mrs percy b percy b shelley yes i thought that was very very odd um but hmm. uh also kind of a interesting marker of the time i suppose i don't know i mean it even maybe it's because i've only seen um you know, newer editions, new versions of the novel and things like that. Maybe that was just commonplace for until very, very recently. You know, the husband name thing. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. It's, but very, it, it's, it's very odd. It is weird. Like, as you're crediting her to actually direct credit elsewhere. Yeah, like, it's you don't even get your full name on it. Um, kind of a bizarre thing. Uh, but something else I found bizarre in... Uh, in checking out the long chain of writers for this movie, uh, Peggy Webling, Webling, Webbing, Webling, sorry, yes. uh, who wrote the play, is she has two IMDb credits. One of them is a novel. The other one is this play. Both things were adapted, you know, much later. She was uh, like a late 19th century writer. Right. Uh, and... John L. Balderston, who wrote the screenplay, adapted from the play, I think he is responsible for the term gaslighting. He wrote the film Gaslight. That is where that term comes and that, from. It is yeah. the, the original uh, origin of, of the term gaslighting. It, so we have him to thank for one of the most misused uh, buzzwords on the internet today. Hey, Dad... Don't be gaslighting I'm not me trying about to, that term. I'm not trying to gaslight you into thinking gaslighting isn't a real thing. I'm just saying every time someone tells you a half-truth, it's not gaslighting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> according... But I thought that was really, really interesting. I was like, oh, that's so weird. What a what an odd credit to be on this guy's... And to be connected uh, to And this. to be connected to this. I, yes. I did learn uh, through the internet, so I don't know how true, uh, long before this, that... Uh, it was a story called Gaslight about, like, I think, like, this guy, he lit the lanterns on the street, right? That was mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Uh, and he just lied to his wife. And that was, it was a psychological kind of story. I think that's all that there is to that. But the movie I'm has something sure. to do with uh, uh intruder living in the attic oh. and a woman who thinks there's someone in the attic and it messes with the the gaslight in the house and everyone tells her she's crazy or something something like that someone's okay. lying to her uh and hiding someone in the you attic know about it, it or something so, yeah it, it's something along those lines i've never seen the movie but um interesting i believe it's on tubi where we watched this movie yeah a lot of movies from this era uh, James Whale, the director of this movie, also directed The Bride of Frankenstein, which is on our schedule for this of course. Uh, this month, and The Invisible Man. This guy, a lot of these players seem to be all over the universal monster uh, universe. They were uh, the guy, Dwight Fry, who played Fritz, mm -hmm. uh, plays Renfield in Dracula. Which I, came out that same year. I can't believe he made a movie made in 2020. Can you believe that? I mean, what? What? He's still kicking the Invisible Man. I'm, oh yeah. I'm just kidding. Oh my god, uh, I forgot about that. Talking movie. about the remake, but uh, that movie's actually. Let's talk about that remake just real quick because uh, it's not even really a remake. It's just the Invisible Man in name only. Right. That movie's really fun. That's a good movie. That's a good uh, uh, Blumhouse uh, horror movie. Sorry, weird sidetrack. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, but, of course, like, Bar Boris Karloff all over uh, this genre of, of movie at the time. 
James Whale, like I said, directed that. Uh, Dwight Fry. But one other cast member that I wanted to point out in here. Let me find him really quick. He's uncredited, I believe. Uh, Francis Ford. Uh, Francis Ford is the older brother of Western director John Ford. Uh, directed a lot of uh, the great like John Wayne movies like The Searchers and uh, things like that. The really uh, kind of the heart of the John Wayne Western career was John Ford. But his older brother uh, was a silent film director. He's like an extra in here. He's like one of the townspeople. Um, And he was actually uh, in the IMDb trivia was like listed as a mentor uh for John Ford sort of like taught him about directing he has something like 300 silent films he directed like if if you look at this it's really interesting to look at the time because they're not long out of the silent film era right i'm sure some were still being made at this time uh, possibly yeah but um i mean you just think about like those silent film stars if you ever go look at any of them like they just worked they just made movies constantly mm-hmm. Because it was a new thing and everyone wanted them. And I I can imagine then that this guy was probably just at the studio working on one of his movies. And they're like, we need extras for this scene. And like, brought Um, him in or something. Possibly. It it seemed more to me like uh, the advent of sound sort of ended his directing career. I don't know if he refused to transition to working with sound. I don't know if he couldn't. I don't know exactly what the story was, but that's about where his directing career ended. And then he had like a few appearances in in movies. I thought was really, really strange. That is strange. Um, But but, but just an odd thing, because I was going through the cast. It's a very small listed cast on IMDb. Uh, About half of them were uncredited or some of them even said like rumored. Like, we think this is who this was. Well, yeah, because they didn't have, like, super hard and fast Yeah, nobody was keeping, like, a lot of uh, records. I don't even know if SAG was a thing at this point where, you know, like a union. Right, I I doubt it. Um, But it was really odd because I was looking for somebody who had been in something, like, as an older actor. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm like, did any of them... And almost nobody in this movie worked past, like, the early 1950s. Like, there's really? a lot of older people in this movie who, you know, uh, some of them were dead in the next... Uh, I think the guy who played uh, the father, Baron right. Frankenstein, uh-huh. I think he was dead, like, within two years of this movie coming out. I'm not like, surprised. It's, it's I looked at like, him and I was like, yeah. that's an old man. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Um, but I just, I thought it was really strange, but cause nobody in this cast outside of Boris Karloff had I heard of before. I haven't heard of any of these people, to be honest. You haven't I heard of even... Boris Karloff? No. I mean, he's famous I... for this role, basically. I'm sure, but like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know much about the history of cinema. Well, like, it, this is like, this is so out of my kind of area where I know, like, this is just. I don't know that much about the history, so all of these, like, old famous actors, I don't know them. No, that's fair. I, I know Charlie Chaplin right. by name. I've seen, like, his little dancing thing. I I don't <laughs> know any of His little dancing thing. <laughs> that's all I know about you know, him. Charlie Chaplin, the little dancing guy. The little dancing guy. The little tramp. That's, I, I, I don't know. That's for that, yeah. You should watch some Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin is actually really... Good. I, I like Charlie Chaplin and um, Buster Keaton. You should watch, like, the silent, uh, very physical comedy. It's very clever. It's very uh, intricately choreographed, actually. It's it's really impressive what, what these people were doing. With, I, I with believe film. it, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like taking the physical comedy and they actually integrated it into this kind of new technology in really interesting ways. And just to look at that, and I'm not deep into that era of film either. I don't know a lot of it. And I've seen Chaplin movies 
I don't even know that I could tell you all of the ones I've seen. I've just seen, you know what I mean? Like, um, I think I saw Modern Times and maybe City Lights. Is that the one with the blind girl? I'll have to go look. Anyway. Uh, but no, I don't know this era of film real well either. I, I don't like dismiss it. It's just right. something that I've never really seeked out. Well, and I think in, I think we're going to get into it, but there's something of a barrier in a movie of this era. I think there's, I found this movie, I'm going to try and be kind here. I won't. Okay, let's not. This movie sucks. This, this movie, movie is boring. Is so boring. This movie is incredibly boring. Now I have, I, I have, have good, I have good things to yes, say too. Okay, okay, yes. But I think we're I, on the same page here. I think we have to start out with the negatives so that we can get to the positives. And obviously, uh, I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna drag out the negatives through this whole thing because it's gonna keep coming up. Everything about this is like obviously taken in context. Like this I was tried. made at a time. I really tried where there were like no horror movies. This was like the first one. Uh, 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 Dracula, I think, just barely. Be, it's the same year. That's uh, what do they call it? Nosferatu. No, or? Nosferatu was earlier. Was a silent oh, okay. film. The Bela Lugosi uh, Dracula film. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like this, was adapted from the Dracula stage play. Um, and this is what the guy who played Igor, or Fritz. <laughs> Whatever. I can't get used to that. Uh, he plays Renfield in that, who is like Dracula's little helper. Right. The, the, the assistant character. The guy in the in the asylum who wants yeah. to be turned into the vampire. Played by Tom Waits in the uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie uh, version of Dracula. Mm, okay. Great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I tried to put context to this because I watched King Kong from about this era. King Kong's 33, two years later. And I can understand how King Kong is an entertaining movie to, uh, I think, I think it's an entertaining movie anyway, but I can... But I also take it with a grain of salt, and I have to say, well, in context, King Kong is a big spectacle, blockbuster, monster movie, and I can understand how it can be very impressive to an audience of that time, very entertaining to an audience of that time. Very groundbreaking. Very groundbreaking. This movie, I can't. I really had a hard time going, well, even a 1931 audience, how were they entertained by this? This movie is boring. And this movie is not like the book. This had to be the first instance of a movie where some diehard book fan went to it and hated it because it wasn't like yes. the book. I I actually, uh, I've not read the original Frankenstein book, uh, but I did. There are some like weird plot holes in the coming of this movie. Like, and I was like, oh, we must have skipped a few scenes. How how do these villagers know that Frankenstein's monster killed this little girl? Uh, which is never explained. But uh, regardless, I, I went and I looked up, like, the book synopsis. And, like, it's a completely different story. Yeah, yeah the names are different. It's not, it's uh, Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. It's not Fr- uh, Henry? Henry Frankenstein? Yeah, I think that's in like, the it's, movie. It's just odd odd changes and everything that happens in this movie only happens for the sake of propelling the movie forward. Like the motivations, like the characters have no motivation. Mm -hmm. They have a motivation because the movie needs them to have a motivation. But it's like, uh, just talk about like Dr. Frankenstein. He's obsessed. He's obsessed with, with creating life. And then, uh, and then he's not, and then he's just done because the movie needs him to go and get married so that, uh, the monster can come and disrupt that. And, and his, uh, his teacher or whatever, you yeah. know, kicked him out of school cause he's this mad scientist that won't listen to reason. 
But then someone's like, oh, he needs help. And he's like, okay. Okay, let's go check it out. He goes there, (laughs) demands he stops, and then he sees that he's created a monster and he's totally cool with it. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I'm on board with this. Oh, this is actually pretty cool. Show me show me what your monster does. Right. Yeah. It, it's so weird. It's it's a really odd um version of the story where nothing makes sense. There's huge swaths of time, like we said, where nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. I could sense your boredom while we were watching this because it was locking in with my boredom. I'm like, this movie is only like an hour and ten minutes. And it felt so long. It it was three hours in my mind. There's a Kenneth Branagh directed Frankenstein movie in... Uh, wait, no, I don't know if he directed it. Does he star in it? He's in it. Uh, he plays Frankenstein. Okay. And Robert De Niro plays the creature. Um, this was in the 90s. And a lot of people don't like that movie. But that movie is actually, like, I think more book accurate. You know, it's like telling the Frankenstein book story. The real story. Yeah, it's yeah. telling. It's it's called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So it's it is just sort of like there was this trend of that uh, the the Coppola movie that I just referenced was Bram Stoker's Dracula. There was this there was this push to like make these monster movies, but make them uh, closer to the source material. Right, Re- recenter them. And a lot of people didn't like it and i saw it i think a year or two ago it was just like on tv and it isn't great but it is like entertaining and it's good and you understand the character motivations and you understand like why everybody's doing this as this big epic ending like in like i don't know if it's like the north pole or something wherever like the big climax of it all yeah that, that's happens. where in the books it's meant to be yes and this this actually kind of comes off so much like you can tell like this comes from a play because there's like three sets i i hearing that it was adapted from the play makes a lot of sense now because it's like a game of telephone like whoever wrote this didn't read the book they watched the play they watched the play right readapted it it's so many things are missing and it's or they did the play because it would be cheaper than doing the book. It was the it was the probably, way to budget. Yeah. Maybe it's the way that most people of the time were acquainted with the story. Maybe it was a thing of like, oh, I didn't read the book. I saw the play. And, and, and the, maybe the play was very popular. I don't know. And a lot of movies back then were essentially plays anyway. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that fair to say? I think it's... They, they I think stick it's to fair. a few sets and uh, 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 a few sets. It's scaled down a lot of um, like in in Dracula, and I haven't seen Dracula for a while. Uh, but like, there's a lot of things in Dracula of like people looking out windows and like, ooh, look, he's changing into a wolf. Like they're just telling you what yeah. they're seeing, and it is very much like a play. And even in that one, like, Bella Lugosi had been in the stage play. And then he was... He did the movie. He was cast in the movie. Uh, but you see it a lot in, like, the way actors act. Uh, I, I think there were a lot of actors in movies of this time that were, like... They they act as though they're projecting to the back row of their theater actors. Well, yeah, that's you the know, only like, way that we knew how to act. Yeah, it, it's a it's a real, like, so, it yes, it all makes sense that this comes from the play. I just, I really, really found it difficult to get into it, and it's really disappointing because I really wanted to like this movie. I've never seen it before, and I was like, this is one of the classic monster movies, so it's something I've kind of considered, like, Oh, it's this weird blind spot for me. Like, this mm-hmm. is one of the classics. It's like The Godfather. You should see, the, you know, this list of movies. Sure. And, you know, I just really, really struggled to stay interested in this movie. I, it's not that surprising to me because I'm like, old movies, that's kind of how Fair. they were. Uh, but something that is, there's so many old movies that you don't hear about. And that is the reason. But there are movies from this era, like The Wizard of Oz, like King Kong, mm-hmm. like Mighty Joe Young, like Frankenstein and The Bride of Frankenstein. That These are the ones who that have been 
held up and carried forward and sort of these are the standouts of the era and these are historically accurate or not uh important mm-hmm. like yes. like films and so you think like like the wizard of oz which isn't my cup of tea necessarily but you can appreciate but i that understand what movie. that that is a, like a perfectly made movie yes you know what i mean like like whether or not you like musicals it's like Oh, this is just a a wonderfully done movie, and what a groundbreaking film for the time! Like, but this this had none of that. You know what I mean? Like this, uh, you're right. For the time, there aren't a lot of movies from this time that I would say, oh, I I would really enjoy watching that. But I really sort of I had expectations that this would be like an old movie because it's just talked about. It's talked about as like this sort of tentpole of horror right i i can give it a little credit as far as directing goes i think this is a well directed yes. movie Let, I, I i agree the the style uh the way they kind of there's a lot of like three-dimensional shots where there's a lot of there's a foreground there's a background there's a mid-ground yeah uh the depth, blanking the on depth of depth. field yes, yes. uh and I, I think the introduction to Frankenstein's monster is, I I think it's scary. You mean when he walks into the room backwards? Yes. It's so it's silly. It's silly, <laughs> but I think it's done yes. well. The, the, I, the, I, the zooming in on the face, dude, I'm sure in a theater of people who have never seen that before. Sure. Like, very scary. I think the camera work in this movie is brilliant. I think there's there's some great zooms. There's some great, they're not necessarily Dutch angles, but like looking down yeah, and like the, the shadows that are cast. The, the uh, graveyard scenes. The graveyard kind of scene is, is great. Um, the, the lab scenes kind of looking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh and that then whole tower the way the, it the looks wind, so the like windmill. Creepy. Yeah. With uh, the shadows cast everywhere. The reveal of, uh, of Fritz being murdered. By the, you know, like, oh, and, yeah. and that's in the background and they never zoom in on there's there's great choices that are made in the camera work in the direction of this. Um, but there's just nothing holding it together. I I really was. The, it's I, the script. I really think yes. this is a terribly written movie. Uh, a lot of it just doesn't make sense. I for some reason, this isn't in the book, for some reason. They put a criminal's mind in yes. this body, and it was like a f- silly little switcheroo that the assistant did. Like, makes no sense. Completely, like, it's a young, reverses. it's young Frankenstein. It, it's like this is the movie that made me realize young Frankenstein didn't even write these jokes. They just took them they from how it. silly this original that that sequence where he drops the jar. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is straight up young Frankenstein. But but I want to analyze it one step further because it's not just a dumb joke. It is a dumb joke. Uh, But it like completely negates the whole point of this story of like this monster wasn't a monster. It was just you created life. You didn't treat it well. uh, And then it reacted with how it learned and lashed out at people the way you lashed out at it. No, this is some criminal brain right. that inherently acts a certain way. And you just didn't know that. Right. Like, that doesn't make sense at all. Um, I think they try to make it make sense where they're like, see, look at the abnormalities of the brain. You know what I mean? Like this brain is, is, is mal malformed, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go with the rest of it. It doesn't go with the theme of, uh, you know, the hubris of science, the, the, the cautionary tale of that science fiction, like we talk about all the time, science fiction having these, these sort of, uh, lessons, right? You know, don't take it too far. This idea of like, he's obsessed with creating life and this is what happens when you play God and like halfway through the movie that all just gets dropped. And, and that's all there is to it. 
it's and, missing the whole point of what the story of Frankenstein is meant to be. It's yes. really weird. It, it, um, which I feel like they do touch on it. They have like Fritz is just a dick to the monster, mm-hmm. you know, and he's scaring it just for fun. It, it's a really, it's a really weird thing that they sort of brush up against all of these themes, but they don't really take time to unpack them or really explore them. They're just sort of like, okay, we're introducing this theme. Okay. So you know, it's here. It's in the room with us. Okay. Just know it's here. We're not going to address it. Right. And and then we're going to move on to something else. It's almost like they didn't even understand the theme. It's a lot like, like that. Just like yeah. it was a leftover from the adaption. And they're like, oh yeah, we got to put that scene in there. This is like the Zack Snyder Watchmen. This is the the uh, the complete missing of the point. Sure. Um, and just sort of putting the spectacle in without really understanding the story they were telling. Mm-hmm. And I think that was it. They, they did put spectacle like the... The scary scenes. I'm using air quotes there because it's not scary to a modern audience. But I will say the uh, the scene with the little girl is a disturbing scene. Uh, um, sure, he murders a girl. He he full on like Lenny's her. You know, like as an accident, which makes it even th- more. That's tragic. what I'm saying. It's right. the it's the Lenny. It's the of mice and men uh, thing. Mm-hmm. It, that's a that's a disturbing scene to watch even today i think th- i thought that scene was actually very effective for, for me it kind of takes me back to uh the village that kind of little different uh, uh yeah yeah uh th- there's a parallel there sure i like the I, village no i no i i love the village i, I, it's I just, think that's village like a the, modern example yeah, that i can uh, think the, of. like the um Let's just say, and uh, I, apologies if this is offensive to anyone. I'm not trying to be the village idiot. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, accidentally causes a tragedy, right? You know, without really understanding what he's doing. There wasn't a full understanding right. of what was going on. Frankenstein's like, oh, we're throwing things in the water. Okay, let's yeah. let's uh, do this. Uh, actually, Fra- it's Fra- Frankenstein's, Frankenstein's monster. monster. I'm sorry, <laughs> I self-corrected. Okay. You guys can put down your pitchforks now. Uh, everyone's furiously <laughs> deleting emails that they had already started. If my Twitter is flooded, I blame you for bringing this movie on. It's Frankenstein's monster. I don't okay. care. I don't care in this one. I want to talk about Frankenstein's monster real quick. As another positive, I think the makeup is amazing. Yes. Uh, uh, it, this is the. This is where we get our modern picture of frankenstein you know right, what i mean like it all comes from this and yes all that, the, yeah. and i think boris karloff's performance as the monster is great oh i yeah. love it i i think it it borders on going over the top at a few points but i don't i don't hate it for that i think it's really i think it's really emotional i think it's one of those like pure Almost like a, you were a, a theater kid. Did you ever do like weird exercises or weird sort of yeah. like workshoppy like stuff? Pantomiming kind yes. of things. Yes, like oh, you're a you're a cigarette butt on the sidewalk. You know what? You know like what? It, but like it's that. It's like he was given the rule of you can't speak mm-hmm. and you have to emote this in with just your body language. And for a, a time of like theater actors being so over the top when they came to film, his his just pure physical performance, I think, was was so perfect. It, right, it, it like, was like perfectly said, measured. Yes, it's, it's subtle for the time, and it it wasn't over the top. I I feel like it really worked for like yeah. oh this coming back to life. Look at the sunlight. He's reaching out to it, it it's a it's a kind of performance i think we would equate to today being like doug jones or uh andy circus you know this mm-hmm. this pure like it's body it's acting. all physical acting yeah yes and i think i think it's really great and i think it's um 
it was one of the things that kind of saved the movie for me. I think I think Boris Karloff was totally brilliant in this movie. And I do think, if anything, is the reason this movie is like held up is that's why. It's sure. Because he, the spectacle. he's Again, iconic yes. as this monster. Yeah. Uh, and it is sad to see him die at the end. I yeah. I'm sad to see the the windmill kind of burning the big, up. The murder and... suicide, the uh the branch Davidian yeah. <laughs> um, uh ending. But yeah, it's uh it's kind of a wild ending that comes from nowhere. Yes. Um, oh, Unearned. Before we get off the uh Boris Karloff thing, I I will just say, I'm sure I brought this up before. Uh Google like onset photos of this and there are pictures of Boris Karloff in full Frankenstein makeup, Frankenstein's monster makeup. <laughs> delete, <laughs> Don't make my mistake, Dad. Delete your email. <laughs> uh, and he has like reading glasses on and he's like reading the paper. He's drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes as, as this horrible creature. It is, they're just hilarious. It's absolutely brilliant. That's like uh, seeing Vecna in his makeup yes. drinking Starbucks. Yes, like. <laughs> just hanging out. And I understand these guys are just going to work and they happen to work in this makeup. Uh, but but yeah. it's so funny. It, it is great to see just these out of context photos of him with like reading glasses on and stuff. Frankenstein's got his readers. And he's he's got, well, oh, you know, eyes aren't what they used to be since I was brought back to life. Um, and this eye's working. This one, not so much. You want to hit me with lightning on this side again? Um, but yeah, let's talk about the unearned ending of this movie. Because I agree. Uh, we both commented when this happened, when we watched the movie, when the father brings the little girl in that drown in the river right and he says she was murdered and the entire town is like all right pitchforks and torches let's just get ready they just go out hunting this murderer because uh they found a drowned child somehow they leaped to murder they leapt to murder and they instantly knew who it was it was it was a such a and that's what I'm saying when, or that's what I mean when I say, like, this movie, things just happen for the sake of moving the movie forward. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to say murder. There was no reason to say it was those Frankensteins. Uh, none of it. But they just said, that's what it is. And the entire town, now given, the entire town was drunk. They were having a good they time were at drunk the party and ringing bells all day. So loud, so those loud. Bells those bells were so loud. Yes. And then they just go off in a a just half cocked rage of lynch mob justice, going out into the hills to kill and burn anything they found. And that's why I was like, they're moving this forward like it just has to be this way. Yeah. Uh, this must be from the book. Nope. Nope. It's that not. whole nope. thing was made up. It's so All strange. Of it. It's so weird. I, I don't understand this movie, I think. I think I I don't understand how they got to this movie. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I the book had an ending. I don't know why we needed to change it and make it weird. I granted the book has a lot more moving parts to it. It seems like there's a lot going on. Kind of see how that's harder to adapt into, like, a 70-minute movie. But, like, I I don't know. This just feels they're missing a few scenes or they just didn't think about it hard enough. I, I yeah, I think it, it feels like they wanted to do the book, but they they either didn't have the budget or most of the budget went to makeup, special effects. You know, those kind of things. And then they just cut it down. Well, I mean, it was the play, too. And that, that I'm sure, cost had something to do with all of it. But it's just such a... It's such an odd series of choices. Which, when you when you look at the things we've highlighted as being, like, positives, you know, makeup effects, 
direction, camera work, the the performances. Some of the performances. I thought Fritz was a really fun character too. I I did. I, yeah, I, I thought that was a uh, there was a, like, there was a lot of really interesting things going on there, and then it's just sort of like you have these good elements, and there there really could have been a good movie in here somewhere, and I just feel like there just kind of wasn't. Yeah, I. That's what it is. There's a lot of good technical work. There's there's so much going on, but then it's just built around nothing. Like, they didn't even think much about yeah. that. This movie just felt, I think, really, really empty. There, um, I, I couldn't get on board with any of the characters. I didn't care about any of them. I thought Henry Frankenstein was just sort of a, 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 a strange non-committal or even almost like bipolar like he he shifted moods he shifted almost into a depression and then he's like oh i'm getting married and it's like you just built a creature out of dead bodies and watched it murder your lab assistant Let and it loose and... And, and it's loose and yeah like there just was all of these odd choices and then his dad this crazy old uh crazy old man who is obsessed with wine or yeah i don't know but god there's just so much weird shit in this movie that didn't have anything to do with frankenstein and uh yeah i don't know i don't know what this movie was trying to be i i don't know what it ended up being uh there's just some sort of entertaining well done stuff in the middle of this void is kind of how I'm I'm looking at that. I think that's fair. I I think we're gonna piss off a lot of people with this one. I maybe I, there's a lot of like purists who are like obsessed sure. with this movie, but I don't I don't see what they're seeing. And I wish I could like I was really excited uh, when it opened, and it was like this guy beware. Oh this yeah, is a fictional like I thought the intro was great, uh, and it opened into the graveyard they're pulling out great the shot in the graveyard i i thought it was a really well done beginning but then it didn't really lead anywhere like no I, it was inconsistent throughout uh that opening by the way the it's either the first or second treehouse of horror yes uh, where marge, where marge comes that. out and does i never knew that was a takeoff of Frankenstein. I didn't. I, I never knew it came from this movie. It was a, they were parodying this aspect of it, which I thought was a really cool thing of of uh, almost like a, an old timey like showmanship kind of thing to do with your movie is to go like let's warn everybody. This is you know like they do um, when they. They have like the paranormal activity movies came out. I remember there would be like cameras in theaters getting yeah. like reactions and stuff. And that would be that would be the the promo for the movie. That would be the the ads they would run was just mm-hmm. reaction shots from test audiences. And it's just sort of like this sort of like this will be the scariest movie ever. Smile. You guys just saw Smile. Oh, and, yeah. Smile and, like, was scary. The, the Smile campaign of like having people go to baseball games and like smile at the camera and stare yeah you know like these these sort of like viral marketing or sort of stunt thing and i know this wasn't marketing this was the movie but to open your movie and sort of build the anticipation of like uh be be careful if you have a heart condition you know or whatever it it makes me think of uh like world war of the worlds uh like the radio broadcast that everyone thought was real and freaked out about right that they're like, just so you know, this is a work of fiction. Yes. There is no monster out Everyone there. Everyone take it, it easy. Be. Yeah. But yeah. Like that that was that was an interesting thing and I thought was really kind of clever. And that was one of those things that made me sort of go like, oh yes, this movie is so of its time. Yeah. And it tried like that's one of those things that was sort of like, this should help me forgive a lot of things, but ultimately it just didn't. <laughs> Because, um, because that was very of its time. I think a lot of the the camera work and stuff like that was very ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, and, um, 
but yeah, so much of this story uh, just just did not do it for me. And uh, you're right, we may piss some people off, but mostly I am going to blame John L. Balderstrom for a very weak script. Yes, yeah, that ultimately did not translate. He's dead by now, but. I he gaslit us all into thinking oh this God. this movie is great. I in light of that I do uh I'm interested to see the original Invisible Man to see hmm. kind of because that's uh this director's later work and I'm I I do think he's kind of got the horror aspect down and like yeah. I I'd be interested to see how that evolved. Uh, well, uh, I believe he did The Bride of Frankenstein as well. He did. Um, and we will be, we will be taking a look at that one. Uh, let me, let me check the writers on this first. Uh, Oh boy. I don't know. If this guy comes back. William uh, Hurlbut. Well, it's not this John guy, so... What else has this guy written? Anyway, yes, uh, this also uh, suggested by, and we'll talk about this more on the Bride episode, suggested by in the original story, because the Bride was part of the original Frankenstein. Yes, he does make a second idea of, of building a companion, yes. Um. Anyway, do you have anything else on this movie? I... See, I, I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about in this episode because I'm like, we both kind of didn't like this movie. and But that's... Th- what, there's history you know. of it, but you know, I, no, I don't what do you have, have much else. Do you have history of it? Uh, no. Oh. I, not that we haven't already covered. Oh, okay. I thought you had like done some extensive research. I was... Well, I have seen the Doctor Who episode <laughs> where uh, well. they visit Mary Shelley and they meet the Cybermen. Who? Oh, you mean Mrs. Percy Shelley? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. The wife, you know, who wrote this make silly sure you little give, book. Make sure you give the husband, uh, her husband, his credit. That's right. For her writing the first science fiction horror the man novel of all time. Who married the woman who wrote the novel. That's, that's right. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Uh, sorry, short episode for us, but th- there's just not much here. Uh, there's better monster movies out there. There's better uh, old movies out there. There's better versions of Frankenstein. Um, and better, uh, I don't know, better, better everything. Better takes on it. Maybe we should have watched Young Frankenstein. Mm, that's a good one. I haven't seen it in a while. Me neither. All this, the more reason to watch it. This is true. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you like this and you like the universe, I feel like the universal horror monsters, um, this is just making me think more and more that we like them because we've been told these are the classics. These are the originals. Every version of Dracula and Frankenstein that we have, the visuals all come from these movies. Right. You know, like this This, is... This is the birthplace of a lot of tropes and a lot of... Yes. And so I kind of think there's a lot to the idea that... uh, That these are some of those movies that are classics because we said so. We we have to keep liking it because it's where things came from. I wonder. I'm, I'm more curious. I'm less curious about people who want to disagree with us. And I'm more curious... How many of our contemporaries, how many people my age or your age or somewhere in between in the millennial range have actually seen the Universal monster Mm -hmm. movies? And, I mean, maybe you saw them on Sven Gulli when you were a kid or whoever your local horror host was. How many of you have watched these as an adult? (laughs) And I just want to, I mean, like, maybe you do like them. Maybe you don't. I think these are movies that a lot of people just have not even seen. I yeah, I, I think I, modern audiences don't really bother themselves with. I think the people classics. don't seek these movies out, and um, but on the same, I would like to hear 
from like I want to hear someone's perspective who likes this movie like genuinely enjoys it sure so I can kind of understand why like because I just don't get it yeah um I don't know I I understand it's important for everything that came after but I maybe that was a big blanket statement because I think there are some enjoyable universal movie like the creature from the blank lagoon is really fun um the wolfman's okay the wolfman's kind of interesting uh dracula is a little boring but it's it's doing something see this is the first one i've seen this movie really like meanders a lot yeah i i i don't know i i know this movie is not my cup of tea but other ones might have been if any of you have input on this movie, Frankenstein, or any of the other Universal movies, if you haven't seen them, if you have seen them, if you like them or don't like them, if you agree or disagree with us, I would love to hear from you. We would love to have some other perspective about the Universal monsters. I mean, it was, what, two or three years ago that Universal tried to kickstart a revival of of the universal monster shared universe and everybody got mad at them they're like you can't just make it a shared universe and it's like they're not they're trying to start a thing that was a thing a hundred years ago right like but it just um you know it fell flat and was i never saw the mummy uh but it makes me wonder it's like was it terrible or do people just not see it because people don't have any reverence for these movies anymore? I will save you the trouble. It was terrible. Did you see it? I, I did. I wow. I watched it like pirated on my computer. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm sorry, Universal Studios. I'm going to have to cut that out so you don't go to jail. Oh my goodness. Uh, you wouldn't <laughs> steal a car. <laughs> Love those uh, great, anti-piracy great commercials, yes. Uh, Good callback. <laughs> But yeah, no, I I don't think that movie was that good. Uh, but okay. I, I do think there's something to these stories. Uh, I don't know. Right now, I just, I want to get my hands on the original Frankenstein book so I can maybe cleanse yeah. my palate because this was not it. Maybe we should watch that new Monsters movie to... Uh... Yeah, the one that everyone's raving uh, yeah, about. Yeah, you know, Rob Zombie. A good, Rob good, Zombie poster. Good stuff. Um. Anyway, let's close this out. We bitched about this movie enough. I'd say so. And let's move on to shoutouts. What do you got Shout this week? Shout them out. Uh, I have a TikTok account called Cooking with Linja um, that I just recently Linja? discovered. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Linja. Is it Linda, who's also a ninja, and then they just combine it? Quite possibly. I, I oh. don't know. Uh, but she is a elderly Japanese woman who um, just cooks food, and she's really hip with the kids. Uh, oh, yeah? Like, the editing style, the jokes she makes. Is she uh, like the rapping granny? No, it's a little more, like, nonsensical editing. I... It's something you have to see okay. to to understand it. But I, I just discovered her and she's like quickly becoming like an internet celebrity and people are calling her like TikTok's grandma and like, I don't know, but... You know, someone had to fill the void left by Betty White. It was uh, only it, a matter of time. It's about time. Yeah. Uh, but I, I found humor in her videos and also I think she has good cooking advice in there. Okay. She does some uh some weird little cooking videos so check that out okay cool what do you got i have a uh shout out for a help for some friend uh some help for a friend i cannot talk as i said at the beginning of the show we were hit by a hurricane that was hurricane ian blew through southwest florida we took a direct hit in our area we were fine uh, our buddy Paul Chomo of the Avast podcast, all about pirates. Uh, right. Uh, he also had a show called Checking In with Chomo, and uh, for a long time he created and was 
on the show with Donna Hume called Varmints, where they talked about animals. Uh, anyway, Paul's house took a hit. His family is good, but they had some flooding. They're having to do a lot of tear out, a lot of remodeling. It is a huge pain in the ass, and it is an expensive process. There is a GoFundMe organized by our friend Keith Gala of the Pop-Up Filmcast. And uh, it is just to help raise family, uh, raise money for Paul's family uh, to help them uh, get through some of the expenses, some things that insurance and FEMA won't cover. Uh, A lot of FEMA money, people don't necessarily know this, a lot of FEMA money that uh, you apply for if you are granted it, it is a loan. Uh, some of it is grant money that you don't have to pay back. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of that money is loaned and it you, does cost you. You get hit with unexpected yes. payback. Uh, any, either way you cut it up, uh, remodeling, tearing out flooring, drywall, uh, mold remediation. It's very, very, very expensive. And this is just something to help the Chomo family out. So if you can, uh, a few bucks their way would help them out a lot. And it I know it would be very appreciated uh, by Paul and his family. So uh, that is a GoFundMe. Um, and there's several ways that you can pay on that. Either way, I'll have a link in the show notes, and I will also be sharing the link more on social media. Uh, help Paul out. Uh, it's a really hard time. It's really difficult to be hit by a storm and have your world turned upside down, as we can uh, attest to. We yes. we dealt with it a few years ago. It's, it's not easy at all. If you're only going to click on one of our shout-outs, click on that, because it's slightly more important than it's... an old woman who cooks and makes funny videos uh all shout outs Uh, are valid uh i just want to paul uh i will also add paul is a great uh advocate for podcasts and the podcast community he's always been very helpful i've known paul Mm -hmm. since i was we were on blazing caribou studios together and paul is super helpful with new people to the podcast space uh he's just a, a great community member and a really good guy I, I really hope him and his family get the help they need. Yeah, yeah, I I hope so. We are pulling for you, Paul. On that note, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoy our show, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps our visibility. It helps us grow the show. That's right. And another way to help us grow the show is to tell a friend. Don't what? have any friends? Build your own. Oh, yes. It's like Build-A-Bear. Yeah, uh, but they don't always listen. So you might just have to kill that friend off and find a different friend who will listen to our show. Make sure us. they download all our episodes before, I, before yeah. you do that. Though. Frankenstein's Monster, if you could please uh, make sure to download. Uh, but yeah, that's our show. All right. Well, that's Frankenstein. That is Frankenstein. What do we got next week, Oz? Uh, next week, I wanted to take a quick little visit to the fly yeah specifically the 1986 version uh because i've heard it's better i haven't seen either but uh yeah i wanted to see the fly as a true testament to sci-fi horror yeah i can't wait this is gonna be really fun i've i've seen a clip of someone climbing walls and ceilings jeff goldblum davis it's great all right cool they were too concerned with if they could merge with a fly. <laughs> didn't think about if they, they should. They didn't think they should merge with a fly. That's true. All right. Oz, what's your social media? Where uh, can people yell at you about your Frankenstein opinions? <laughs> uh, if you want to correct me, you can go to Twitter and leave the site because don't correct me. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Austin and Rude and The Who Review. And I am at Phil Root on Twitter, at Phil Root 75 on Instagram, and ko-fi.com slash Phil Root. Please do hit me up. I want to hear your opinions on the Universal Monsters as a whole, and specifically Frankenstein. I would love to. Uh, like, yeah, if, I, if I, you think you're that we're wrong about 
this being a bad movie. I'd love to hear or that. Or if you like, think genuinely. that we're right, or just any any thoughts on the Universal Monsters. I'm I'm genuinely curious now. So if something good has come out of this this movie experience, it has sparked my interest about like what is the modern take on the Universal Monsters? Right. So I I genuinely would love to hear it. It's an interesting topic. Oh, so you want to read the credits? Uh, yeah. We did it all ourselves. There you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. I'm Weens. <laughs> we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. I'm the mom that lives in suburbia with three kids. I'm Blalone. <laughs> She's the hot Hollywood cat lady. <laughs> and we have a fun podcast where we talk about life, love, and loneliness. <laughs> Pubic hair. Come oh, on. I'm sorry. We hope you come take a listen to us. We're on all the platforms, and we will see you soon. I have PMS. <laughs>